Hello and welcome to this week's Sport Huddle, brought to you by Leeds Hospital Radio, the weekly sport discussion podcast and programme that um, bites a lot. Uh, we talk local football, we talk local rugby league, we will be talking local cricket eventually when that starts properly, and we also talk nationally, uh, rugby union and cricket and football as well. Um, tonight it's just me and Stuart Taylor. Um, hi Stuart. Hi Ian, hi everybody. Uh, thanks for joining us this week and um, we'll get started um, with Leeds United um, who sit 11th in the um, in the Premier League table. Um, not doing too badly are they? Uh, they're doing fine Ian. Uh, um, we've uh... We've discussed this before, but I, I, I'm sure that uh, I, I, I'm absolutely certain now that uh, with their win at Fulham uh, last weekend, uh, last Friday night, was it, I think? It um, was, yeah. They certainly finally put to bed any concerns that uh, uh, the, the most pessimistic of fans might have had about uh, uh, premiership survival. I think they're, they're comfortably uh, uh, now um, assured of uh, premiership uh, football next season, which is fantastic for the fans, because I think it, I, I was um, I was talking to a, a lifelong Leeds fan pal of mine the other week, and he was saying that uh, that the nightmare scenario for all Leeds fans that uh, they would get uh, promoted after uh, after 16 years and they weren't able to celebrate uh, that with <laughs> with the players, uh, and then they'd uh, get relegated in the, in the COVID season and uh, never see them in the Premier League again. But uh, uh, my pal and the, uh, the, the the thousands of other fans can now, I think, uh, rest easy that uh, Leeds uh, will be in the Premier League next season. And what a great opportunity to uh, strengthen the side further, uh, potentially for a tilt at uh, some European place next year. I, I totally agree. Um, they are 13 points clear of Fulham, who are third bottom, so in the last relegation place. So, barring uh, a mathematical miracle and also a, a loss of form of um, just manic proportions, Leeds are safe in the Premier League this season. And yeah, a chance for the summer to, to build and extend the squad to maybe challenge for a Europa League place or or even one of the Cups, you know, let you know, Leeds United lifting the FA Cup or the League Cup, you know, that would be awesome. And But just imagine that first game back in August when the fans are back. There will be 40,000 in Ellen Road that day and it will just be, honestly, it will be swinging and it will be spine tingling, won't it? It's going to be absolutely spine tingling. I think there will be... Uh... Uh, there'll be 40,000 sets of uh, hairs on the back of the nets, necks uh, standing uh, straight throughout the game. I, I, I just can't, uh, I can't wait for that. For no. That I think it'd be great. Absolutely. Definitely. Last thing on Leeds is that they're playing Sheffield United a week on Saturday at Elland Road. And um, you'll have my company if you're still in hospital next weekend, because I'll be commentating on that one, Leeds United, against Sheffield United next Saturday, a week on Saturday. So we'll quickly go into the championship. Um, obviously, they're not playing this weekend either because of the internationals. Huddersfield um, sit 18th. They're on 42 points. Uh, they are seven points ahead of Rotherham, who have three games in hand. 
Yeah, I, I'd like to assure town fans that uh, uh, they're, they're sure of seeing championship football next season, but they're not quite there yet, Ian, are they? And uh, I just had a quick sneak at their forthcoming fixtures, because probably, I think 50 points, isn't it, is the holy grail as far as uh, survival yes. is concerned. So they've, they've, got a, they've got eight points to go to that. The next two games are at home to Brentford and away to Norwich, which... Uh, Fairly ticklish. And then <laughs> on Saturday, the 10th of April, they play Rotherham. At oh. the job. So that potentially could be massive. Now, yeah. as we, as we know, the championship is an arm wrestle week in, week out. So uh, yeah. let's not, let's not discount town getting something against both Brentford and, and, uh, and Norwich. Which like probably- it's one thing. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it'd be yeah. a great bonus, but they may well. And then they've, you know, the, the mm. last three or four games, they've um, uh, they remained unbeaten. And also Carlos Corbran, because Town didn't play last Saturday. I think they were due to play Bournemouth, who were otherwise engaged in a cup. Uh, FA cup. Yeah. So, so they've had some rest. Uh, and also Carlos Corbran has had two weeks to, to work with his squad. So I think that's going to stand in their favour, I have to say. Yeah, um, I've just had a look at their fixtures uh, coming up and they are playing, like you say, Brentford and Norwich. They're also playing Bournemouth, but they do have two games against their relegation rivals in Rotherham and Forest. And so they could put dents into into those two teams um, and help themselves um, as well. So they are the two huge six pointers that Huddersfield have got uh, coming up. Um, but yeah, I think... I think they've definitely got enough to stay up, and there are definitely three worse teams than Huddersfield in this league. Yeah, I, I, I agree. Uh, and yeah. uh, the good thing is uh, yeah, that their the future is in their own hands, particularly with those games against Rotherham and Forest. Yeah, uh, uh, yeah, six points from those two games, and uh, they're, they're pretty much done. I would say they are. Yeah, they're pretty much done. So um, Huddersfield are 18th, like we say. They they play Brentford on Good Friday. Um, and then they play uh, Norwich. Actually, the Brentford game's on Easter Saturday, my mistake. And then they play Norwich on Easter Tuesday, uh, the day after bank holiday. So um, probably for TV reasons. Um, so we'll leave Huddersfield there. But actually, we're going to go back to Huddersfield. Um, and it's been um, big news locally this week where we have lost a couple of Yorkshire's best known footballing uh, heroes and legends. Um, we'll start with Huddersfield as we were on them. And, um, well, this guy played for both Huddersfield and Leeds um, in Frank Worthington, um, who sadly passed away um, this week. And um, Stuart, just uh, get, um, just give us your memories of him. Um, I, you saw him play um, against your team at uh, Preston, yep? I did. I was 11 years old and uh, it was a, I think it was a Monday evening fixture and he was playing for, for town uh, in their uh, superb um, traditional blue and white stripes and white shorts in the days that uh, teams made every effort to turn out in their first choice colours and not change at the, <laughs> uh, the drop of a hat uh, for, that, for another day. And, uh, he was, it was Ian Greaves's, uh, championship winning season. Town were just fantastic. They had the likes of Trevor Cherry, who also passed away, uh, sadly recently, uh, in, in the side. Uh, they were far too good for North End. Uh, they won 3-1. 
And Frank Worthington scored twice. And uh, as I was saying to you uh, just before we came on air, uh, Frankie scored two of the best goals I've ever seen at Deepdale in the so many years I've been I've been watching uh, North End. Uh, one of which from 20 yards stuck in the middle of the stanchion. You don't see that often, but that's <laughs> that's yeah. fantastic. I think I've seen one goal like that on the telly where Trevor Brooking did it for England. Um, he did. You're right. away away somewhere in Norway or something like that and he hit a shot and it, it stuck yeah. in the stanchion and yeah. you just like you say you just don't see it. Um yeah. especially yeah. as goals don't have stanchions anymore. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. But, but but Frank was just showbiz. I mean you know, he he played in the days of Rodney Marsh, uh, Stan Bowles, um Tony Curry, Alan Hudson and uh, he, he just had he just had so much talent, but he, you know, he played football for fun. He was serious out on the pitch. He really was serious, and he got yeah. uh, he got England caps. He scored a couple of England goals, and uh, he was just a it, it was he was a performer. He really was a performer. They don't make them like that anymore, Ian. And uh, which we, uh, we he did play for both Huddersfield and Leeds, but we we should not forget that he also turned out for Geisley. In, uh, <laughs> in, in, he in, turned in, out for Geisley. I think it was, but uh, no, great memories, and of course, great memories for us as well, Ian, because as you said uh, uh, just earlier, that um, um, we uh, we cover Huddersfield Town, and um, he, Frank used to sit immediately in front of us in the uh, in the media stand, and uh, always had a, a, a always would turn around and have a cheery word with us, and uh, he'll be he'll be sorely missed, uh, a, a legend, working class. George Best, they describe him as. Yeah. Um, I'll, I'll forget about the working class bit. He was a, he was a another George Best like uh, character of footballer. He was. I mean, I'm from I'm from uh, Nottingham, and in the East Midlands, he is he is a legend at both Leicester and Derby, um, two of the clubs he played for. And I know that those two clubs will be. Um, you know, sad with the loss of such a great player. And I was unfortunately too young uh, to see him play. But still, like Stuart just said there, the thrill of Frank Worthington looking at you and saying, you're right, when we were at Huddersfield, I I will never get over that because I knew who he was and what he was. And he was a legend in football. And um, yeah, just... Rest in peace to Frank Worthington and and yeah. the, the the that player of ilk like Stuart just said there they they don't make them like that anymore and um, he'll be a sad loss to the game um, as will um, Stuart um, as we go back to Leeds one of Leeds United's greats one of Leeds United's legends one of the Reeves team um, in Peter Lorimer um, the hardest shot in football he was. Hotshot Hamish in real life, um, Peter Lorimer. Um, again, just an absolute legend, and what a footballer he was. Yeah, Lash, as uh, as he was known. Yeah, he was born in Dundee, but Dundee, uh, but definitely uh, became an adopted uh, loiner, and uh, still Leeds United's uh, all-time leading goal scorer, two hundred thirty-eight goals in. Uh, 703 appearances for Leeds, and he, he really was an influential member of that uh, of Leeds United's greatest side ever. Let's let's uh, yeah. 
let, let be, let, let's be straight about that because yeah. they had um, in in the sixties <clears throat> Lorimer on the right, they had Eddie Gray on the left, uh, they had that uh, front two of Mick Jones and uh, Alan Clark, and then of course being fed from midfield by uh, Bremner and Giles, and then uh, uh, Charlton and Hunter kicking lumps out of the opposition at the, at the back, <laughs> um, and not forgetting Gary Sprake, of course, who uh, of course was known as Careless Hands because of his uh, uh, his public errors, but uh, it was a mighty fine goalkeeper. So right through the spine, there was a, it was just a, a, a phenomenal side that uh, Don Revy uh, built. Peter Lorimer was a, a really important part of that, and he'll you know he'll be forever be a figure of huge significance, I think, in, in Leeds United's history. He, he really will. And, and uh, Joe, and I feel really sorry for Eddie Gray because um, uh, last week uh, he. You know, he faced the media to talk about his his old friend uh, Peter Lorimer, and he's had to do that recently for you know for 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 Trevor Cherry, for Norman Hunter, for Jack Charlton, and uh, he's just been uh, on each and every occasion. He's just had the right words for the occasion, and uh, yeah. Eddie's a great man. We see him uh, regularly when we we go to Leeds United. Mm. Still a, uh, a firm favourite with with the fans. He's a he's a firm favourite of the club. He's an ambassador, and he just said some lovely words about his old mate uh, Peter Lorimer again. He was a, a legend at Leeds and uh, will be sorely missed. He will be sorely missed. He played for Scotland um, as well. He played in the 1974 World Cup. He scored um, for Scotland against Zaire, um, who are not Zaire anymore. Little quiz question. What is Zaire called now? DRC. There you go. Um, so Move on. <laughs> yeah, we'll carry on. Um, Peter Lorimer, absolute legend. Now, I did see him play, and it was in his second spell at Leeds in 1984-85 season, because ah. my team, Notts County, were relegated from the top flight to the second division, and our first game of that season was at home to Leeds United, um, and Peter Lorimer was uh, playing that day. Um, uh, other names, I think Tommy Wright was playing for Leeds. Um, so there were a couple of uh, big names in that in that team. Uh, Leeds won uh, that game. Uh, not got relegated that year. Standard. And um, it, but I I saw Peter Lorimer play, and I think you know for someone my age, I think that's something that I I will cherish the fact yeah. I saw him play. But again, with Frank Worthington, the fact that these guys who are legends in the game and I'm talking Norman Hunter and and Eddie Gray and Peter Lorimer, but when they were on the gantry, uh, you know, and like for one instance, Norman Hunter came and sat next to me a couple of times while I was commentating and he would look at me and he would talk to me about the game that we're watching. And it's like, I'm commentating, but Norman Hunter is talking to me. And it, it's like, it's, it's the most surreal thing, but also the most natural thing in the world that he would talk to me. And, you know, those Leeds players were so down to earth and that so connected to the, to the fans and, um, I will, yeah, Peter Lorimer will be a huge miss, as will um, those names that Stuart mentioned, uh, Norman Hunter, Jack Charlton, Trevor Cherry um, as well. And, yeah, uh, and Frank Worthington, we will add that now as well. So, um, 
we 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 wanted to pay our tribute to to two um, Yorkshire footballing heroes, um, and I hope uh, me and Stuart have uh, have put that across uh, to you guys listening in. Um, <clears throat> we will quickly nip over uh, to uh, League Two and Bradford City, um, who have slipped up a little bit, but I think the main job's done. They're they're staying up. Um, you and um, your colleague Alan, um, as I called you uh, last week, Statler and Waldorf, um, were at Valley Parade uh, for Bradford against Oldham Athletic. Um, it sounded thrilling, Stuart. Uh, yeah, it was a, it was a great nil nil actually, Ian. And, yeah. uh, and, and we were both really <laughs> impressed with Oldham, I have to say, who um, who were down in. 17th position or down, down the walls at the bottom end of the table. No, no they yeah. been relegated and uh, we've just changed the manager, of course. They, they, sacked, uh, they sacked Harry Kuehl uh, yeah. to the consternation, I think, of uh, a number of their fans and certainly to the consternation of the older media contingent behind us who were very vociferous in their condemnation of uh, the sacking wow. of Kuehl and the appointment of Keith Curl. Really? Uh, they, they were indeed, but... Oh. Uh, uh, but actually, I thought, you know, Oldham were really impressive. Um, it wasn't quite the last chance saloon for, uh, for, 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 for Bradford last Saturday in terms of their promotion ambitions. Uh, and you call it right, actually, in that, uh, you know, in, in terms of uh, Bradford's uh, position this season, it is job done because, of course, we, we shouldn't forget that the uh, the management duo, the former academy coaches Mark Truman and Connor Sellers, took over from uh, when Stuart McCall moved on in mid-December, and Bradford were in absolute disarray. Uh, they were you know, just ahead, just outside the uh, automatic relegation uh, positions on uh, on goal difference, and of course they took over, and Bradford immediately embarked on a 12-13 match, uh, unbeaten run or, or one one defeat in 13 games down at Exeter, I think. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, we were all getting excited two weeks ago, even about the prospect mm. of potentially automatic uh, promotion. But uh, just the last five games, they've just lost the way, and it probably is just a, a, a reality check. I think the, uh, the the main issue, and we saw this, we certainly saw this during the game against Oldham last uh, Saturday. They've lost the services of Callum Cook. Who played? Who was playing in the number ten role under Truman and Sellers, and they really flicked a switch in terms of his uh, performance because he was uh, he was adding uh, the the creativity to uh, to create the chances for um, Andy Cook and um, Danny Rowe, the two recent uh, striker arrivals at Valley Parade. Uh, but he's out now, pretty much for the rest of the season, with quite a nasty uh, looking hip injury, and as a consequence. Uh, there really was a marked lack of creativity in, in the side last Saturday and uh, all the creativity was coming from Oldham. And, and I think Oldham would probably come off the pitch thinking that they were unlucky not to win. Um, but, but City are away at Colchester on Saturday. Colchester uh, haven't won in six. They've drawn three, lost three. Uh, not, not a great place to go at any time, I don't think, Colchester. Um, but I, I would now describe this definitely as last chance saloon. I think if... If the Bantams uh, have any thoughts of uh, still getting into the playoff picture, then nothing less than three points will do this Saturday. Yeah, I fully agree with that. Um, so Bradford um, are playing this Saturday. Um, do we know who they're playing against? Yeah, they're playing Colchester United. 
Colchester United. Oh, yeah. There you go. Um, some big games in League Two. Uh, Tranmere Mansfield, Barrow Stevenage. That's a six-pointer. Grimsby at home to Walsall. Let's see if Grimsby can claw that back. Um, and um, Forest Green against Bolton. That's a top-of-the-table clash. So, um, right. Enough with football. Uh, we'll skip to the Six Nations just for just for a little bit. Um, Wales lost the chance, didn't they? Really, of clinching the um, the Grand Slam because they lost. Um, and so France have their spare game against Scotland coming up this weekend, and they have to win big, but they can still leapfrog Wales at the top. They can, and, and I would not be surprised at all if if they did. I, the, the the game, the, the France Wales game at the weekend was absolutely remarkable. I actually only saw the last half hour, but um, I, I think I joined it uh, shortly before uh, Rhys Zamet uh, dived in at the corner and was just millimeters out of play. Uh, the score was 27-20 at the time. That would have made it 34-20 to Wales. Uh, they were called back for a penalty. They took the penalty kick, so they were leading 30-20. Then France had a man sent off. And uh, it, the, the, as soon as the, the French second row was, was sent off, the, the, just seemed, France just seemed to be completely transformed. And um, you know, Wales went from a position of dominance, dominance to hanging on. They had two, people sent to the, two players sent to the sin bin in the last uh, five minutes or so. And... You could just sense, you could really sense that that's, that winning try from France was coming. Even when they went into overtime, they were three or four minutes in, and uh, I think it was just inevitable that uh, that uh, we see that dramatic conclusion with uh, uh, with the French winger uh, going over um, in, in, in the corner for for a great win. France are in a good place, you know, Ian. I think uh, that you know, yeah. they're, they're certainly they're, they're building towards uh, rugby world. Mm-hmm. 2023, which is in France, and you know we're, we're still we're two years away, and uh, clearly uh, they're building towards um, peaking at that time. They've got a, a, a really good cohort of, of, of young players that are going to have two years more experience before they arrive at uh, Rugby, Cup, Rugby World Cup 2023, and uh, you know they're, they're certainly I think the uh, the strongest team in the Northern Hemisphere, although. Um, I think Wales have done tremendously well um, in, in the in the Six Nations. Like there were some concerns that uh, they were in transition and they might have a poor tournament, but uh, really the team that's had the poor tournament is England. Yes, they have. Um, I mean Scotland. Scotland could finish second, Stuart, if they beat France by eight points. Yeah, they could do. I, I, I'm not sure they will, Ian. I, 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 I'm pretty confident that France will win that, and, and uh, I would not be surprised to see them doing enough to uh, to uh, win it to, to, to win it to, to, to yeah. clear the championship. Because uh, you know, if there's one team in that, well, there actually are probably two teams in that competition. But to, if certainly France are uh, skillful enough, they've got uh, you know sort of highly athletic uh, set of backs. Uh, alongside the powerful forwards, and uh, I can certainly see them. They'll, they'll go for it. They'll definitely go for it. Um, yeah, at home as well. Yeah, at home Scotland. Yeah, yeah. We we could end up with a right old try fest. Let's hope we do to finish off the championship. Absolutely. It is interesting though that um, France beat Wales, 
who beat England, who beat France. So those three are capable of beating each other, as has been proven. This, this, you know, Wales lost to France, France lost to England, England lost to Wales. So they're all capable of beating each other, aren't they? I think they are. I think you're right. Um, I mean, England uh, just have got have got just a highly as highly a talented pool of individuals, but they just seem to play a rigid game plan. And, and uh, you know, that was a spirited win against France. They, they'd lost against really poorly against uh, Scotland. Uh, they, they'd lost against Wales. Um, and they, against France, they just seemed to be given their head and play what was in front of them rather than stick to that rigid game plan that... Uh, uh, with with no plan B, which uh, drives me absolutely crazy, I have to say. Uh, you know, with little scope to in, indulge in in the natural game, uh, yeah. and it worked against France. And of course, France were coming back from uh, some COVID issues, uh, so there may be there may be some issues with fitness. But England were just back to square one against uh, Ireland. I mean, they were cruelly exposed. They were they were by far second best. And they were just back to that rigid game plan with with no plan B, which is which is incredibly frustrating <laughs> given the uh, you know given the, the the talent that they've got at their disposal. Absolutely. Um, so we'll leave Union, and we're going to go on to Stuart's um, knowledge base on rugby league now. The bluffer's um, guide. The bluffer's guide to rugby league. The bluffer's go. guide to rugby league. Um, Super League starts this weekend. Um, with six games all played at Headingley, two on Friday, two on Saturday, and two on Sunday. Um, Leeds Rhinos, our local team, are uh, away um, against Wakefield Trinity on Saturday afternoon. Um, but obviously it's at Headingley. Um, just to let people know, we are trying to uh, get access to Headingley, but COVID uh, protocols um are not making it easy at the moment but we are still uh still in, in dialogue uh with the rhinos so we hope to be able to bring you some super league coverage this season um as the season goes on so um what do you know about the leeds rhinos Stuart? what do i know about the leeds rhinos well well leeds uh, the first game of rugby league that i ever saw live was in 1983 and it was at headingley and it was leeds versus featherstone uh, i have to tell you uh, so I know where they play. Uh, <laughs> <no>. <laughs> uh, what, what, uh, I think what's going to be interesting, you know, about the Rhinos and to any, what are their aims for this season? Well, for any Leeds Rhinos coach, um, both major trophies have got to be key objectives. And of course, they, they won the Challenge Cup last year. Uh, they went out at the Super League playoffs stage rather surprisingly, I thought, to, to Catalans. Um, but the interesting signing they've made for me is Kyle Eastwood, uh, Eastman. Eastman, yeah, yeah. Uh, pardon. Yeah. Who, uh, you know, is coming back to rugby league at the age of 31 um, after having spent the last 10 years in uh, in rugby union with Bath, Wasps, Leicester Tigers, and uh, winning six caps for England along the way. So that's um, that's a quite an eye-catching. Um, Signing, I have to say, it is because when he was at St Helens, he yeah. was one of the the big bright prospects, um, and he, like you say, he went to rugby union at a very young age, twenty one, um, yeah. but he, he he did tear Super League up um, when he started for St Helens. So 
I think it's a cracking signing for the Rhinos, and it'll be really interesting to see how he copes back in rugby league after being in Union for so long. Um, yeah. I mean, yeah. you know, I'm sure it's like riding a bike, but um, you know, it'll be very interesting to see how he copes. Um, I'm expecting Leeds to beat Wakefield um, on Saturday. I think um, I think Wakefield have their problems, but they're also a very good side when they uh, are on their game. Uh, we also try and cover the Huddersfield Giants, uh, as you know, Stuart. Um, and uh, they're playing Hull FC on Sunday. Um, and that's also a heading lead, as is Castleford Tigers against the Warrington Wolves on Sunday. Um, we don't cover Cass. Um, but, you know, they're a local team. So yeah, yeah I, can, I can give you a bit of a buffer's guide to to, to Huddersfield yeah. if you no, like. Go on. Yeah, yeah. yeah no, I think what we should mention is that um, they've got a new coach in Ian Watson, who they've uh, brought over from Salford. Yes, and uh, yeah, he's led Salford to Grand Final and Challenge Cup Final in the in the last two seasons. Uh, yeah. so, so I think that's a really interesting uh, appointment. Recruitment seems to have gone well. Uh, and they seem to have given Watson some squad depth uh, to work with. I suppose the question is whether the Giants will deliver because they've had two uh, pretty underwhelming seasons in the in the last couple of seasons. And yes, they have. Tenth in 2019, and uh, uh, although they were last season, they were, they were at the wrong end of uh, quite a number of closely fought losses. You know, close games, but they came on the wrong side of. Uh, yeah. Uh, pretty much all of them and as a consequence they finished uh, seventh I think it was wasn't it yeah. so um, you know a combination of recruitment and uh, uh, I think for, for Giants fans certainly an exciting uh, coach appointment in, uh, in Ian Watson then uh, I think they could well be just a team to, to keep an eye on I think they were definitely a dark horse with Watson in charge and the squad that he's built there um, I think expectations are not high, um, which means they can always be under the radar. Um, I think Huddersfield will have a pretty decent season, and I think the playoffs are not beyond them um, this season. So, um, as I say, we're hopefully bringing you some Super League coverage. We are working on it with with our clubs, um, so we'll um, we'll get that to you as soon as we can. Um, thank you very much, Stuart, for your company this week. Um, been most entertaining chatting with you. You're very welcome, Ian. I've uh, I've enjoyed it immensely. Thank you very much. And um, we will say goodbye and um, we'll see you again next week and uh, some more sporting chat and uh, opinion. So uh, goodbye from me and goodbye and get well soon.